So, let's see what the Word of God has for us today. I've been playing guitar for a few years now. Ben has let me use his electric guitar. Is that too loud? Is that too loud? Good. Excellent. It's an electric guitar. So, and um, I used to play in um, those, those places sometimes where they serve alcohol. And yeah, yeah, every once in a while. And um, I, I don't, yeah, and I, um, I don't remember those days. Um, but we really liked the blues, you know? Like, that's what we, we, we didn't really have a name. You know, I, I, would, I think I would not be a pastor right now. I would be a famous recording artist if the rest of the guys just did what I told them to do. But no, you know, musicians, they all have attitudes and things like that. But music is very interesting because music is about, music's about rhythm, right? It's kind of like this on and off again thing. So, so if I were to just do this. Some of you just might think that that's not really music, but it's really punk music. I was, I was just, yeah, I'm just showing my, my genre, right? Rage? Really? Um, so, so when it's just all on like that, it's really, it's, it's a lot, look at Deb's back there going, it's, it's a lot of noise. Look, we got one leaving and walking in. She's got blood coming from her ears, Erin, over there. She's going to have to... But when, when, you, when, you're just, when you're just on, it's just really loud and noisy. Music is about finding rhythm and kind of off and on and off and on. So when you're on and off like that, you begin to make music. This. Not so much. But this. so much. 
Life has this sense of rhythm to it. We see even in our breathing, you have a rhythm. In and out, in and out. One of the relaxation methods sometimes they teach people is to focus on your breathing, just that rhythm of in and out. Your heart beats with a certain rhythm. Everybody walks with a certain rhythm. A certain little hiccup in their giddy-up sometimes. Uh, you, you know, you could tell by the way sometimes people walk because they have a rhythm. Life is about having rhythm. On and off and on and off. And I would say that unless you have rhythms in your life, all you're doing is making noise. But the object of life is to really make music. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes kind of understood this idea of life and rhythm and and what God sends to his people. And he writes this in Ecclesiastes 3. It's, uh, it's, It's an amazing list of the things that God sends to his people. But it's also about rhythm in life. There's a time for everything, a season for everything under the heavens. So even in seasons, we see seasons, especially in New England, they have this rhythm. First comes the summer, then comes the uh, fall, then comes winter, then comes spring. And it's kind of the same thing over and over. There's a rhythm. But here the writer says there's a time to be born and a time to die. It's the ultimate, simplest rhythm that we have. We are born. And then there's space. And then we die. Everybody has or enters into that rhythm. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to uproot. There's the rhythm of starting things. And establishing things. And making things happen to begin them. And then there's a time in our lives. Or a rhythm in our lives. Where we begin to stop. We stop doing things. And we, and we end things. We say you know no more. Can I, I can no longer do this. And so where there's, there's the on again. And then there's off again. There's times to tear up and build down the rhythm of um, when something needs to be taken apart, deconstructed, or when there's something that needs to be rebuilt in your life. So there's this time, there's these seasons, there's these rhythms in life. There's a time to weep and laugh and mourn and dance. Rhythms of sorrow and rhythms of being happy. To grieve is actually a very good thing. To grieve loss, the loss of friends, the loss of relationships, the loss of a job, the loss of whatever, the loss when someone passes away. To grieve is healthy. And so there's, there's these rhythms of life that, that we enter into. And part of those rhythms is to grieve and to mourn. And then we have rhythms of, of happiness and dancing, when, when, when it's good, man, you just kind of let go and you enjoy life till it's to its fullest. See, not we can't all be happy all of the time. We can't all be dancing all of the time. People will first think you're crazy. And it's just not realistic to be happy and dancing and woohoo all the time. But there's also, you can't just be sad and mourning all the time. 
And so life brings us through seasons. Life brings us through rhythms. Emotional health is about being in a rhythm of understanding sometimes things are good, sometimes things aren't good, and you move through the goodness and the difficulty. And it's okay. It's, it's the rhythm of life. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to say, you know what, I can, I can, I can do that. I can do that. I can start that. I can, I can step up or I can step out. I can add one more little thing into my life. I think God is calling to me to this. And then there's a time to say, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I, I can't take on anymore. I have to stop something. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. There's, there's rhythm in our lives, and God sends these things to allow us uh, seasons in our lives to find this natural rhythm. There's a time to speak, and there's a time to keep your mouth shut. There's rhythms of silence where you just let somebody go, and, you, and you're there for them, and you're present for them, and you're aware, aware, aware with them, and you let them talk. And then there's, there's a rhythm of, of actually entering into that conversation and giving them words of encouragement or even words of correction or um, to, to teach them. And so there's, there's, there's all about, life is all about Rhythm. Life is about making music. It's on and it's off. These are the rhythms that God actually sends into our lives. We, we can't escape these things. I mean, there's always going to be times where you've got to start something. There's going to be times you've got to end something. There's going to be times when you're mourning. There's going to be times when you're joyful. There's going to be times when you keep things. There's going to be times when you throw them away. There's going to be times to tear them. And I love kill and then a time to heal. time to love and a time to hate. Time for war and a time for peace. These are the rhythms that God has brought us in this life. But I believe that there is a rhythm that God brings to us, that he has gifted us with it, that's even more important than, than these things. Something that he has given to us, but he doesn't force us into it. He doesn't force us to take part in it. And in fact, most of America doesn't like it. And that goes, that goes too for Christians. We don't really, I mean, we know it's good, and we know we should be, we should be doing this rhythm, that, this gift that God has given us, but we just don't, it's not part of our culture. It doesn't feel right. We always have to be on the go, all on the go, on the go, on the go. I would say that we are more accustomed to making noise in our life than we're actually accustomed to making music. But God gives us something and commands us to take part in it. But many times we're just like, yeah, no, not so much. But he doesn't force it on us. It's the rhythm of a Sabbath. Check this out. Genesis 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, there's something, there's a nuance that we just kind of miss in this text. Now, this is, this is from the ESV. This is not from the NIV, which we normally use. And this is the closest to the Tanakh, 
which is the Hebrew Bible, which is the original Hebrew that this would have been written in. And so it says, and on the seventh day. It's a nuance that we miss on the seventh day. It doesn't say that on the sixth day, God finished everything that he had done, woke up on the seventh day, realized, huh, I got nothing left to create. I'm good. Kicks up his feet and goes, I'm going to make this day the Sabbath because I have nothing to do and I'm going to rest. But it says that on the seventh day, God finished his work. And what the rabbis would teach, the ancient rabbis would teach that there was something that God had created on the seventh day. There was an act of divine creation on this seventh day. See, God is all the six days, he's making stuff, you know, light and water and fish and plants and and animals and all kinds of different animals. And he's separating things and he's putting stars in the skies and he's making the universe. And then, you know, he's making food and all kinds of plants like papaya and mango. And then he's like, Jesus, let's let's just coffee. And he gives us the gift of coffee. And Jesus is like, yes, Father, you are amazing. They're going to love you for that. And, and, and that's why it is a blessed sacrament, the gift of coffee. And I digress. And so God is creating and creating. And then he gets to the seventh day and he's going to create something that the world has been missing up until this point. The world has been missing it. It, it wasn't created yet. It's not something that's just happening. In the Hebrew, called Menuah, we would translate it as tranquility. Or maybe we could use the word rest. But on the seventh day, rest wasn't just a byproduct of God having nothing to do. On the seventh day, God created rest. He created a time to pause. And he calls this day the Sabbath, and he tells us later on in his word, man, you you got to get a hold of this idea of the Sabbath. You got you got to let this whole thing sink in. It's part of the Big Ten. Keep holy the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Make sure you follow. In Leviticus, he's laying out the law, and he says, "Listen, you're going to work for six days, and you're going to take one day off. Work for six days, and you're going to take one day off." But the Sabbath is so much more about, it's not just not working. It's not this idea of, 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 a, of a negative thought, but it's something very positive. It's so positive that, the, that the, the rabbis who have been wrestling with the word of God much longer than the Christian has, that, that the Sabbath and rest had to be created from divine intervention from God himself. And he blesses it. He calls it holy. And so God is working on the six, uh, for six days, and he's putting it all together. He's like, and, and, and if you're just a literal six-day person, that's cool. And if you're the whole old earth, that's cool too. But let's just, we can all come to the, decision, or the conclusion that God created it. We can argue about time. I don't care. But God created it. And then there was a moment in time where God looks and he creates tranquility. Serenity and peace and stillness and harmony and rhythm. God creates for his creation 
We have a funky understanding of the Sabbath. And in fact, I think that we don't understand it well at all. The Sabbath we feel is, okay, we work really hard for six days. We got a lot going on. We got jobs, we got family, we got the house, we got school, we got the homework, we got all of these things that are taking place. And we work real, really, really hard all week long. We're up late, you know, and it's not that you go to sleep at night, you just pass out because you just can't squeeze any more energy out of your system. And then that one day, the Sabbath, where God says, take a break. And we believe that that one day is a day for us to stop working. And that's true. It, it is that. But we have this idea that it's, for, it's so that we can stop working and that we can replenish the batteries. That we can fill up and we can rest so that Monday morning comes, we can hit the ground running and we can do it all over again. And so the Sabbath becomes this day to recharge our batteries, to get ready, to get back out there and get into the rat race and get into the grind. And that is not even close to what God created the Sabbath for. The Sabbath day is a day to live life. The Sabbath is about life itself. It's he made it holy and he blessed it. He didn't make it for the sake of the rest of the week. He made the entire week for the sake of the Sabbath. The rabbis teach about this. They say that to labor or to work is a craft. But to enter into the rest, to enter into the holiness of rest on the Sabbath is an art. And I'm afraid that we don't have many Christian artists when it comes into the genre of Sabbath. Please don't get me wrong. Work is a good thing. Work brings dignity. When God created the man and the woman in the garden before the fall, he told them, hey, listen, work it. Work the land. There's dignity. There's, there's, there's goodness. There's, there's accomplishment in work. And, and that's, that's all positive things. It's as mu- work is as much part of our covenant relationship with God is, is as taking a Sabbath day's rest. And so work is not a bad thing. He creates people, he tells them to work, but he also has created a rhythm. And he says, set aside a day that you can experience freedom, that you can live in freedom, a day where you can be with yourself, a day where you can just spend time with the people closest to you and be present with them and be aware with them. A day when you're not just trying to, to wish away the hours. How many of you have sat in your office or at your job or somewhere else and just wished that 5 o'clock would come, up, come quick, come sooner? Do you realize what you're doing? You're wishing your life away. I wish that 5 o'clock would get here. Sabbath is about just enjoying every moment and every minute, a day when we can detach ourselves from uh, our dependence on all the, the, the stuff out there. And we can just kind of go, Mm-mm, I'm not going to concern myself with that anymore. A day when we can stop worshiping the idols of our culture, consumerism and, and, and the idol of just getting ahead the idol of the iPhone 5, 199 for a few years. <laughs> yeah. 
I must admit, I haven't gotten there in my Sabbath yet. <laughs> but it's a day just to, for all that junk to just go away and put that aside. It's a day, if we allow ourselves to enter into the Sabbath rest, we allow God to put things in perspective. We allow God to put all of the stuff that flies around us into perspective. And that perspective is they're not so important. We become, we, we, we start to have a godly perspective about life. It's a day when we just abandon the common pursuits that we live every single day. And we begin to reclaim who we really are. Let me tell you who the Christian is. The Christian is a child of the king. That's who you really are. You are not, whatever job you are, you are first and foremost, you are not held by any of the titles that the world might put on you. You are a child of the king. And the Sabbath allows us to get back to that simplicity and to that amazingness of who we are in God's eyes. It frees us from just a, from, it frees us not only from work, but just a, the thought of work. It frees us from the idea of where we are in our social condition. It frees us from whether or not we're succeeding at our job or succeeding at school or failing. All of those things just to seem, just seem to go away. And, and we can be, we can, we can be, we can just. And be still and know that God is God. Everything that God created on the first six days, he says, man, that's good. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Ooh, that, that's really good. That's good. That's good. I don't think he used really, but I do. That's good. That's good. And he got to humans, and we get very good. Ooh, that's very good. Right? But on the seventh day, God blesses that day. And he calls it holy. You see, to work is good. To rest is holy. You tracking with that? To work is... Now I'm not saying go out and be lazy. Because he did say six days you work. You should work hard. There's dignity in working hard. But he said that seventh day, man, that's... It's a blessed, holy day. And all the other days have this beginning and ending. There's evening, there's morning, day one. There's evening and morning, day two. And even the creation account in Genesis 1 is this, this thing filled with rhythm. But the Sabbath day, it doesn't seem, there's, there's nothing in the text that makes it end. The rabbis would say that it's something like eternity, the Sabbath that very thing that God has put deep into each one of our hearts. It's a time when the Lord of all creation wants us to direct our minds and our bodies and our spirits to Him in His holiness, for His glory and to His glory. It's not just about not working. It's about stop striving. Stop being stressed out. Stop being anxious, and you can just be who God has made you to be and all of that ugly imperfection that we are. 
we have been given those things. You know, it's even a day, it's even a day not for, um, for confessing our sin. It's even a day not to deal with our sin. It's, it's not even a day that we should be repenting from our sin. It's not even a day that we should be praying to God for the things that we don't have that we really need because God has created the Sabbath to be, excuse me, to be a joy for his people. And those things can suck the joy out of you when you do that hard interior work of the, of the garbage in your life. It's not even a day that we work for God. It's a day where we could just be. Six days on, one day off. 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 You see the rhythm that God has established in his creation. For six days you will work and then you will take a time off. You will recognize that I am God and that you can be who I've created you to be. Six days on and one day off is the rhythm of the Sabbath. And when we enter into that rhythm, our life becomes less about making noise and more about making music. There's more about this idea of rhythm in the Bible. And as God has established the Sabbath for us, for us, which is a big one, he commands us to take part in it. I love the fact in the Old Testament when he creates the festivals, he says, listen, you guys are going to party or I'm going to kill you. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, but Jesus taught us so much about everyday rhythms in our life, about being on and being off about being on and off and on and off. Check out this story in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed, Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So here's a story about Jesus. He's doing his thing. He's at this house. Before you know it, the entire town is at the door. And Jesus launches in to his ministry. And he's healing the sick. He's, he's, he's healing crippled people, and he's telling the blind to see, and he's opening the ears of those who can't hear, and he's, he's curing the people who can't speak, and all of the other diseases, and he's driving out demons. He's telling the demons, you got to go, and you got to go. Oh, no, no, you're not going to say a word. You go, you go. This is, this is sacred, deep, spiritual work that Jesus has entered into. There's a story about a woman who's suffered from bleeding for so long and all she does is touch his cloak and he turns around and he goes, I felt the power leave me. And so I can imagine that as Jesus is healing and driving out demons, power is leaving him as any type of spiritual battle will do to a person. And so Jesus is, is giving and giving and giving and giving. And the people are taking and taking and taking and taking. And then all of a sudden he decides... To leave. And he goes off to a desolate place. 
desolate means there's no people there. The entire town is at the door. And we don't know kind of how it happened, but it seems to be he was, he was bringing it late into the evening. And for whatever reason, however it transpired, Jesus leaves. And he goes to a place to be by himself. And he goes to that place to pray. And I could imagine that his prayer was simply, Father, put me back together again. Father, I'm tired and I need your grace your mercy, and your power to continue on. Jesus was on and on and on and then recognized it's time to be off. And he goes and he prays. But he's not done. I mean, at least the people don't think he's done. His disciples don't think he's done. They go out and they look for him. And they find him. What, what, what are you doing here? There's people looking for you. There's, there's people that are still sick. There's this one dude, his head spun around, threw up pea green soup all over, all over Andrew. And he's in a tizzy. He doesn't know what to do about it. You got to come back, man. There's work for you to do. You're sitting here and you're, you're resting. Jesus knew, I need some time off. I need to rest. Need to find rhythm because he knew that life wasn't just about making noise. Life is about making music. And then he tells the boys, it's time to go. We're not going back. We're going to a different place. They need to hear my message too, and that's where we're going. Yeah, but Jesus, there's people over there that you haven't finished with. Yeah, I know, but we're going over here. Jesus understood that there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. There's a time to be on, and there's a time to be off, and there's a time to be on in a certain place, and there's a time to be off in a certain place, and there's a time to be on in a different certain place, and there's a time to be off there. Jesus understood that life is about rhythm. And he practiced it, and he demonstrated it, demonstrated it for us. And so my question to you is, how are you doing? Does your life become more about just noise? Instead of music, do you lack rhythm? I know what you're thinking. Jesus didn't have a job. Well, I mean, I guess he had a job, but he didn't really have a boss like I have. He had no wife. He didn't have kids. He didn't have a house. He stayed with friends. He had people that financed his ministry, that, that gave him stuff, so he really didn't have to worry about money. Of course he had time to go and just be by himself. Of course he could find rhythm in his life. I mean, he didn't have all of the things to do that I have to do. He, if he lived now, there'd be no possible way that Jesus would be off having prayer time with God. There'd be way too much for him to do. Let me tell you, um, that argument, I'm going to use a very theological word, that argument is just dumb, Okay. Our busyness is by choice. Straight up. Our busyness is by choice. And maybe we can look at it this way. No one here has only three years to change the world. Jesus had three years. He knew it. He was God. He understood it. And yet he still went to take time to rest, to pray, to be with his Father. 
to find rhythm in his life. The Sabbath is about a day, but the Sabbath is also about a lifestyle. It's about rhythm. It's about finding that rhythm. It's knowing when you should be on and knowing when you should be off. It's recognizing this. It's recognizing you are not God and you do not sustain the world. Is your life become just this noise fest? Or are you making music? When is enough enough? When will you learn to say no? Jesus came to give life and give it in abundance. He didn't come to give us noise and give it in abundance. But that's what we kind of, we're used to that. We like noise. I don't know if we like it. We're used to it. He went off on a regular basis, took time, found rhythms. The story of him, he's walking with the boys. He ends up at this well. He's like, dude, you go get the food. I'm going to just rest here. He plops down and rests because he looked for the rest of the Lord, of his father. God gave him just a really cool opportunity to minister to a woman. He actually stopped, took a moment. Is your life more about noise than about making music? I mean, is the noise in your life so loud you can't even hear your soul crying out for help? I've had the, the honor in my life of a couple times sitting on uh, along a bedside with somebody who was dying. They were coming to the end of their life. And I've learned in those moments that, um, that though death is difficult and it's hard, but there's something very sacred about those moments. I know other people who have, have done the same that have that privilege to sit with somebody on their deathbed and have conversations with them. And, and I've been able to talk with them and we kind of share our experiences. And what, what I've learned is there, there's, there's this theme that runs through those experiences, at least the ones that, that I'm aware of and the ones I've taken part in. No one that has been on their deathbed and that they were dying, no, no, one, no one said, Man, you know, I wish, I wish I would have worked more and played and rested much less. No one, one says that. No one has ever said, you know, I spent way too, I spent just too much time with my friends and I spent way too much time with my wife and my kids. I should have been at the office. I should have been getting that overtime. I should have been chasing the almighty dollar. I should have, I should have been doing more projects around the house, more projects there. I should have been busier in my life. No one has ever said that on their deathbed. But there's a sense of, sometimes there's a sense of regret. Regret that they didn't slow down for a few minutes. Smell the roses. Didn't slow down and celebrate. Didn't slow down and be with their friends and their family and their wives and their kids. I remember when my grandmother was dying in 1997 and she had cancer and it had gone to her brain and we were all in her hospice room and 
And she became very agitated, and she was yelling out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's yelling to us, I'm sorry. And she couldn't sit up, and she was just laying down. And everybody, my aunts, my uncles, and, and, and my mom, they're, they're going, you have nothing to be sorry about. What, why are you apologizing? She's becoming more upset. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's all she was saying. And I don't know what made me go over to her. And I looked, I came over her, and I put my hand on her forehead. And I said, Nan, we, we called her Nanny or Nan. I said, Nan, I forgive you. And in that moment, she just calmed, relaxed. I have no idea what she was sorry about. But I knew that there was something deep in her that she regretted maybe doing or not doing. Why is it? Why is it that the important things seem to come to the surface when, at a time in our lives when we can't do anything about it anymore? Why does those things become important when we're on our deathbed and we realize, oh, I should have done it differently? See, I'm here to tell you this morning that you don't have to be that person. Because God has given us the Sabbath to just be with the people that we love. And put all of that busyness aside and go, I'm done with that for one day. And Jesus has taught us the rhythms of life. You want to bring glory to God? Find some rhythm in your life. You want to bring glory to God? Enter into a Sabbath rest. Not once in a while. Six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. Find some rhythm. So when you're on your deathbed... And you start to think back into your life. You don't have a ton of regrets. Because the things that we regret, we find out that they're not, they weren't so important anyway. In the scope of eternity. A church that is on mission. And that's what we've been talking about. This idea of a church being on mission. A church that's on mission has to give of itself. The people have to give of themselves from a place of abundance and a place of health. How can you give or pour your life into someone else when you have little to no life to give? Because you're stuck on the wheel doing lots of chopping, but there's no wood chips flying. And you just keep swinging the axe and swinging the axe. Are you always just on and on and on and on? Is your life about just this big bunch of noise? Or are you making music? Somewhere around 40% of all Americans take less than seven days off a year. It's the lowest in the world. I have friends in Europe, they go away for like a month. <laughs> for real? Ta-da. Francesca's from Italy. She's here for how long? Two months. That's a vacation right there. That's what I'm talking about. 20% of those people, more than half of those people that only take seven days off, say they stay in contact with work. Guilty as charged, man. Have you ever heard someone say after vacation, or maybe you have said this after vacation, man, I need a vacation for my vacation. 
We don't even know how to vacation well. What is wrong with us? God has given us seven days. Six to be on, one to be off. Six to be on, one to be off. Do you see the rhythm that God has given us? Jesus has taught us rhythm that, that we, could, we could, you can say no. Not to me, but you can say no. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to uproot. There are rhythms in life. but it seems that we dismiss God's plan for our own. And if I could use that same theological term, that's dumb. Because we are killing ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, I want to thank you that you've taught us rhythm. And it's in your word, and you're very clear about it. Lord, I pray that you would empower us. Empower us, God. Empower us. Make it. I don't want to be people that live with regret. Send us your spirit that we may walk in the rhythms of life that you have given us. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.